For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Doug McCain here. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Welcome to another episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. And we've got a jam-packed show for you today. Free agency is upon us. The MLB offseason is officially upon us. We're talking the World Series. What can the Dodgers learn from the Texas Rangers? We're going to look at this roster, talk about the roster crunch that the Dodgers are going to be faced with. What will they do with some of these players? Will they trade them for established players? We have so much to get into on this jam-packed episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel for all latest Dodgers news and rumors all off season long up to the minute updates be sure to hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell and if you really want to support your boy you really want to support the channel smash that like button comment down below which dodgers free agents you want to see them pursue which dodgers club options should they pick up what are your thoughts on Corey seager winning the world series mvp so let us know down below so let's jump into the comment section and we're going to dive right into this one we got hi dmac what up craig osterberg we got bc Corey seager deserved that shame on us for letting him walk that seems like a pretty good jumping off point we'll get into that in just a second we got go blue from roy estrada we got RIP Kobe Lakers 24. We need some damn pitching. Amen. Absolutely. That is the top priority this offseason. We'll get into that in a little bit. I do think that getting starting pitching this offseason is more important than signing Shohei Otani. I'm definitely confident saying that because without starting pitching, what we learned is you can't win the World Series. Like Nathan Eovaldi said yesterday, you need pitching to win. Pitching wins championships. But uh, we got super proud of Corey. That's from Jordan Allen. Hi, DMAC from DMAX number one fan. What up, DMAX number one fan, man? Let's just send you an autographed picture, something like that. I got you, my man. We got what up, Doug? What up, Matthew Smith? We got BC Bochi, three World Series in five years with the Giants after not winning since the 1950s, then wins the Rangers their first World Series in his first season after retiring. Got some comments about the San Diego Padres. Should I say the San Diego Padres? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Victor Banos, good morning, DMAC. Finally, the beginning of Hot Stove. I could not be more excited. I could not be more thrilled. I live for this. And when it comes to tuning into this show, when it comes to following Dodger baseball, I will say that this next two months is going to decide if the Dodgers are going to be playing this time next year. This next two months are the legacy months for Mr. Andrew Friedman, in my opinion. This is the most important offseason in this run. In the last decade for the Dodgers, this is the most important offseason. Will they fortify that starting rotation? Will you get an established arm via the trade market? Whether it be a Dylan Seas, a Corbin Burns, a Mitch Keller, a Tyler Glasnow, will you go out there and sign any of the premier arms that are available in an Aaron Nola, a Blake Snell, a Yoshinobu Yamamoto, an Imanaga? Are you going to any of those guys Will you go out there and make the signing of all signings in Shohei Otani? That is going to be determined in the next month to two months to possibly three months. This next three months are so pivotal. I would venture to say that following Dodger baseball right now 
is more important than following it next July, next June, next August. Cause we know with the regular season being devalued, like it is that your roster build in the off season is important. And it is of absolute importance this time around. Cause the Dodgers, we are going to see, are they truly going to back up that fleet of Brinks trucks? Are they truly going to be aggressive this time around? Are they going to have their hands in their pockets and stand pat like they did last year? Or are you going to go all in? It's going to be a very exciting, a thrilling offseason for your Los Angeles Dodgers. But let's get right into the action. And the first thing we're going to get into, by the way, we're going to talk about the roster crunch, free agency, some players I think they should trade for. We're going to get all that in a little bit. But the first thing I want to get off my chest is about Corey Seager. And I just want to give a standing ovation to Corey Seager winning his second World Series MVP. He became just the fourth player in Major League history to win two World Series MVPs. You had Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, Reggie Jackson, and Corey Seager. Just the second position player. So now we're talking about a guy that has completely changed the narrative about him. Because I'm old enough to remember the time when Corey Seager was the guy that was injury-prone, was someone that had a lot of talent, a lot of potential, had an elite hit tool, but couldn't stay on the field. People said Corey Seager was made of glass. They also said that he couldn't hit in the postseason. Remember, before the 2020 postseason, he had a 202 lifetime career batting average in the postseason. But here's the reality. It just takes one great elite postseason to change the narrative and it takes two to certify yourself as a postseason legend and that's exactly what Corey Seager is at this point of his career and he won that World Series MVP he was 100% locked there was no discussion about it he ends up going six for 21 hit three home runs he was Corey Slugger this series at six RBI six runs had a 762 slugging percentage. So Corey Seager, he was outstanding and it wasn't just the overall production. It was how timely those hits were. It's how clutch those hits were. You saw the home run in game one that tied the game. The Rangers end up winning that game and that gave the momentum to win that series in five games. And yesterday, Zach Gallen was dealing. It was Galentine's day for Arizona trying to stave off elimination and who gets the single to break it up. It's none other than Corey Seager. So he was outstanding. I could not be happier for the guy. I'm not focused about the fact that he's not a Dodger at this point, because look, one, we've talked about it ad nauseum. And two, we don't know. One thing that you don't know, one thing that I don't know, one thing that only a select few people know is if those offers were identical, if the Dodgers upped the ante and said, okay, you're going to give him $325 million, Texas, fine. We're going to give him $400 million. That's going to make up for the 13 dollars California state income tax. If those offers were equal, would Corey Seager said, you know what? I want to be a Dodger. We don't know that. There's a world where the Texas Rangers could have said, fine, you say $400 million, we say $350 million, right? They wanted their guy. They got their guy, and it led to a World Series championship. And it was very interesting after the game, Corey Seager, in his press conference, he talked about how the fact that the Texas Rangers had never won a World Series, the fact that they've had so many years of ineptitude, that that intrigued him. That was a draw for him to go to Texas, along with Young and Chris Young there, trying to lure him in there. And look, they made him feel like he was going to be their foundational piece that was going to get them over the hump and really start this era of Texas Rangers baseball. And guess what? It worked. Now, there was a very interesting question during the press conference that really took Corey Seager 
for a shock there. Really, he was taken aback by this question. Go ahead, run this clip about Corey Seager and a question that he was asked that I thought was a little bit of a clown question here. Check this out. Hey, Corey, I'm just going to ask you the question that I get texted most, especially this whole series. Why did the Dodgers let you go? Uh, Other questions? We'll go to Evan. I have an answer. (laughs) Corey, where's the the first MVP trophy positioned in? I mean, that is an absolute, in the words of Bryce Harper, that is a clown question, bro. How are you going to come with that question after he's just won his second World Series MVP? He doesn't want to talk about the Dodgers. He did say, I don't know, which I do find very interesting. But like I said, the reality of the situation is, did the Dodgers do everything in their power to keep Corey Seager? The answer is no. But two things can be true at the same time. Had the Dodgers had up their offer, which was reportedly in 2021 before the regular season began, they offered him eight years and 250 million. That was never a serious offer. And then when he was a free agent, they offered him close to 300 million, which was far off. That wasn't even close. That's not enough to even have a conversation. So I do believe that at this point, you just have to feel happy for a guy that, was drafted by the Dodgers. Remember, when you're drafted by a team, you don't get to choose where you go. He's from North Carolina, right? Did he have the personality? Did he want the limelight of being LA? Maybe he did not, right? So there's that. And then you couple the fact with that, look, he's someone that already won a World Series for the Dodgers. He talked about how he was able to end the drought in LA. And that's one of the reasons why he was hungry to help the Rangers win a title. But look, I could not be happier for Corey Seager. This is someone who has overcome injuries. He's overcome early lack of success in the postseason to establish himself as one of the very best postseason players of all time. And now there's a world where Corey Seager, if he continues this success, I mean, Corey Seager could make the hall of fame one day. I mean, that's where we're headed with Seeks. If he can stay healthy, he's at 32 war right now, finds a way to get to close to 60. It might be on the hall of very good. It might not make it in, but I think that things could change, but if he has some more elite season, I mean, he had a 6.9 war this year, 1,013 OPS. And by the way, you know, I'm not Mr. Victory Lab guy, but I will say, if you watch the video I dropped before opening day, I dedicated to Corey Seager and the success that he would have with the restriction on the ship. You just need to stay healthy. Did spend some time on the IL this year, but for the most part, he was fantastic. Now, real quick, before we talk about free agency, before we talk about the roster crunch, We're going to talk about the five things that the Dodgers can learn from the Texas Rangers. First thing, B-Road Warriors. That Texas Rangers team became the first team in MLB history to go 11-0 on the road. Just think of the mental toughness that that requires. Just think about the clutch hitting that that takes. Just think about the pitching that was nails for the Texas Rangers in big situations. That is something the Dodgers can learn from because guess what? The last six postseason row games for the Dodgers dating back to the 2021 NLCS against the Braves, they've gone 0 in six. They lost the first two games of the Braves in 2021. Both those games were very winnable. Won't completely unpack that, but they could have won both of those games. And then they lose in game six when Rosario, of course, hits the big home run off Walker Bueller. And then you fast forward to 2022 against the Padres. You lose in San Diego. You weren't able to win any games there. They lose game three. They get eliminated in game four. Then this year against the Diamondbacks, they go out sad and they lose in game three to end their season. So B-Road Warriors. Number two, the second thing the Dodgers can learn from the Texas Rangers 
is don't be afraid to go for it because the Rangers, they weren't shy about it. They didn't care how bad they performed. They didn't care how many losses they had in previous seasons. They said, you know what? We're going to push all the chips in the middle of the table. We're going to spend big on free agents. We're going to be aggressive at the trade deadline. And they went all in. They pushed in all the chips. They took out their Rolex. They threw in their cowboy hats, cowboy boots, a lean on the house. They did everything to win a World Series, and it paid off. It's high stakes. There's no doubt about it. Very high stakes. But still, it worked. They signed Corey Seager for $325 million. They signed Marcus Simeon for $175 million. You signed Jacob DeGrom. For $185 million, his arm falls off. And what they do, you go out there and you trade for Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery. Instead of saying, you know what, we've gone this far, we spent a ton of money, we're done. No, they doubled and tripled down. They were not afraid. They tried everything in their power to improve their roster, and it paid off. Also, look at Nathan Eovaldi. Nathan Eovaldi, former Dodger great, Nathan Eovaldi, <clears throat> He was fantastic, and they signed him for two years at $34 million. Nathan Eovaldi, in the postseason, he had a 2.95 ERA in 36 and two-thirds innings, had 41 punch-outs. He won the clinching game of the World Series. He goes 5-0 and in six starts. So you look at the signs the Dodgers made, the one-year deal they gave to Noah Syndergaard, that was their high-risk signing, right? That was their reclamation project. You just spent a little more money. You can get yourself a Nathan Eovaldi at two years, $34 million, a guy who has stuff that plays up in the postseason we saw in 2018, and you benefit from that. So they made things happen. They were taking action. The Dodgers need to do that. Andrew Friedman, who has spent big on Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, the only time he has ever given a contract to a starting pitcher that was worth over $50 million was for Trevor Bauer. And we saw that worked out. And that was also a unique circumstance because he had the opt-outs after every year. They thought maybe he would opt out after getting paid the highest AAV for any starting pitcher in the history of the game. So even that was a unique situation. So, hey, scared money don't make none. Okay, and the Dodgers, I hope they learn that from the Texas Rangers. The third thing they can learn from Texas is your best players need to step up in the big games, on the big stage, when the lights are bright. Like John Wooden said, be at your best when your best is required. Well, the Texas Rangers, their best players were at their best. We already talked about Corey Seager. He's their highest paid player. He's their franchise player, and he won the World Series MVP. The game tie home run in game one broke Zach Gallon in game five. He raked all season long. He raked all postseason long, and he was phenomenal. And then you look at Trevor Simeon, who had hit 197 through their first 15 postseason games. And what happened? Game four, drove in five runs, had a triple and a home run. And then yesterday in the clincher, he singled and hit a home run. So he stepped up. You just look at this entire team. Their stars, they stepped up on a big stage, whereas Freddie and Mookie, they had combined to go one for 21. Mookie Betts, he goes six for 48 in his last three postseason series, hitting 125. So that's the difference there. Your big players need to play like that. You need to have your franchise players have big moments, get big hits, and consistently produce. The reality is Mookie Betts hasn't done just that. Instead of performing in the postseason, he's covering the postseason, right? We don't want to see Mookie on a set being Mr. Media guy when you still have nine years left on your deal, right? We want to see you shining in October like we saw in 2020. And then the last thing, Bruce Bochy. So I'm going to say Bruce freaking Bochy. This man, whatever this man touches turns to gold. 
I saw him at the winter meetings last year. He's got the biggest head I've ever seen on a human being in my life. I think it just got bigger with all the baseball he's ever watched and learned and managed throughout his career. He's the only manager to win a title with the team he beat. If you remember in 2010, the Giants, they beat the Texas Rangers. So now he comes back with the Rangers and he wins a World Series for them. So you look at his history. He's two of just three managers in Major League history to take three separate teams to the World Series. He's only the third manager in MLB history to win a title with teams in both leagues, joining Sparky Anderson, Tommy, Tony LaRussa. And you look at the success that he had in San Francisco. You look at the success that he's had with the Rangers. He's only the sixth manager in baseball history to have won at least four World Series championships. And how about this? 13 years to the day, Bruce Bochy led the Rangers to a World Series. That was the same day he led that San Francisco Giants to their first World Series against the Rangers. So the point I'm trying to make is winners win and for whatever reason, anything that Bruce Bochy touches, it turns to gold. He also brought the freaking Padres to a World Series. Okay, him bringing the Padres to a World Series to me is as impressive as even winning a World Series. Okay, the fact you can bring the San Diego Padres to a World Series. I mean, come on. We know that that trophy case is empty there. And he was able to accomplish that. You got to give him a lot of credit. So kind of what I want to just point out is that, yeah, Dave Roberts, like I said, I still think he's fine, but winners win. Bruce Bochy, this is a guy that was coaching his grandson's T-ball league and was at a baseball for three years, comes back and leads the Rangers to the World Series. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think it does say that, hey, managers definitely do make a difference. It's tough to put your finger on it, but just look at how aggressive he was getting Max Scherzer out of that ALCS game Whereas Dave Roberts, he let Lance Lynn go out there to die. By the way, as an aside here, I don't know if you saw this. Lance Lynn's wife on her Instagram, shout out to Noel for sending me this. She posted a story where Lance Lynn is throwing in this new facility he has in their house. And it says, don't worry, guys. We put up a pitching tunnel in our new house so Lance won't give up the most homers in a season. So you got roasted by your wife on her IG story there. So that's going to be a finish him for Mrs. Lynn on that one. So I found that pretty funny. Now, next thing I want to dive into is the World Series as a whole. And I want to know from you guys down below, we'll read some comments here. and We'll talk about this. Do you, did you watch the World Series? What's your take on the World Series? Because the ratings were in the dump. So we'll spend a little time on that. And we're going to get into this free agency, this roster crunch. But here we go. We got, is Freeman embarrassed about letting Seager and Yonder go? That's from prone to thrill. Beast mode. We got some, we got some comments on here. Traded Ivaldi for Hanley Ramirez way back then. That's from Dave S. Yeah. And look, you're not going to win every trade. You're not going to be on top. And sometimes you are going to trade pieces that you're going to regret. But the reality is, look, 70% of these prospects don't work out. And sometimes you're going to win some, sometimes you lose some. The important thing is that the guys you trade for when you trade for them impact your winning for that year or that next two or three years and you maximize those windows. Michael Hoffer, he's still injury-prone but productive when he plays. I think he only played 119 regular season games. Yeah, he did miss time. He was on the IL. There's no doubt about that. But how, how about this? What if Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts were on the IL for that amount of time and only played 119 games? Would they have been fresher for the postseason? Because Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball, they've told us that the regular season doesn't really matter at this point. They've told us that it's two different seasons. 
So it makes you wonder if that is some sort of strategy moving forward is not just riding guys into the ground during the regular season when you can preserve them for the postseason. It's an interesting strategy. We got some comments over here from my guy, Jordan. We got John Sotella over on YouTube. I enjoyed the World Series, but no big name team can cause lower numbers. Absolutely. We'll talk about that. We got Jim. Most Dodgers fans watch to see Seager and the other former Dodgers. Yeah, absolutely. It did feel like there was a draw right there, and it did feel like we were all watching Corey Seager. We were watching the former Dodgers. You saw Spores get that final save. I felt like it was the SpongeBob meme. I felt like Squidward looking through the blinds, right? And Corey Seager and everyone's out there having fun. SpongeBob and Patrick, that's how I felt. I definitely... It was very interesting. Some mixed emotions, no doubt about it. But I do agree with you that that's why there were some Dodgers fans that were tuned in. Makes you wonder. It's a really good point you bring up there, John, because the what if there was no connection between this market and Dodgers fans and Corey Seager? Would the ratings even been that much lower because of how big the market the Dodgers play in and how interested their fans were in this series. It could have been even worse if you didn't have that connection there. But Corey Seager, Dodgers legend, always Dodgers legend. Justin Lombas, Seager had Boris, always going to get the highest bidder. Yeah, Justin, you hit that one on the nail. There's no doubt about that. Scott Boris, save for a very few examples, Jose Altuve being one of them, he's going to take his guy to market and he's going to create a bidding war. He wants to be on ESPN. He wants to be on MLB Network and the bottom line setting record deals. And look, another thing I have to factor in too, that happened before the lockout, right? So Corey Sear got a really good deal before the lockout. And most people, there's a little bit of revisionist history on this one. Most people saw that as an overpay because of his injury history at the time, because of the fact that he came back from that 2020 postseason run where he went to God mode and wasn't very productive in the 2021 postseason run. So yeah, people out there saying it was a fluke. So a lot of revisionist history when it comes to that Corey Seager contract. There's no doubt about that. We got Andrew Skriegman. I'm not sure about that one. What up, Doug? What up, Mr. Tim Rogers? Rock with us. Hey, man. SD Dodger in the house. Hey, we've got to do a video soon. Talk about some of these prospects and which ones are going to be included in some of these trade packages for sure. But uh, nice to see my man Tim Rogers joining us. Go give him a follow. We got Tim Rogers, number one, have Bruce Bochy as your manager. There you go. That was my number one. And that was my number one thing we can learn is Bruce Bochy is a major factor. It makes you wonder. It really makes you wonder. And it, look, it, this is in a vacuum. It's a far more complicated than that. But if Bruce Bochy replaced Dave Roberts next year, I mean, imagine if that team wins the World Series. Okay. Bruce Bochy, like I said, everything he touches turns to golden. That's evidence through his track record. And like I said, I want to see a first ballot Hall of Fame career. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now, next topic, though, real quick about these World Series ratings, because I do think it's relevant to the Dodgers. I do think it's relevant to big markets like the Yankees, like the Cubs, like the Red Sox, but namely the two big ones, the Yankees and the Dodgers, because just look at the ratings of this series. Game two of this year's fall classic between the Diamondbacks and Rangers. That was the lowest watch World Series game of all time. 8.15 million people tuned in. The first game of the series, you had a 9.17 million people that watch. You look at those ratings. You compare that to other major sports out there. You compare that to the Monday night football game between the Rams and the Bengals. That had 9 million, similar to game one. That's a regular season game a regular season Monday night football game. You look at Colorado State versus Colorado. 
Yes, Coach Prime is the man. Yes, he's a phenomenon. But you're talking about a Mountain West team versus a Pac-12 team on a Friday night on ESPN. Got 9.3 million viewers. And that's on ESPN, the World Series on broadcast television on Channel 11. So the World Series couldn't outrate a regular season college football game. The World Series couldn't outrate a regular season NFL game. You look at last year's numbers with the Astros, they were still in it at 11.76 million average per game. You look at 2021, 11.75 million per game. And then of course, 2020, the last time the Dodgers won, that had the record for the lowest watch World Series ever. In 2020, that averaged 8.34 million viewers per game. And that, of course, of course, with the pandemic. So there was other factors. You had an election. That was another factor. So that is definitely not something you really can compare to it. But hey, I will say it was the Rays they were going up against. So definitely a smaller market in that one. But really, you look at how far baseball has fallen from a rating standpoint. And I think it's a major issue. I think it's an issue that no one wants to talk about right now that the networks don't want to talk about right now, but you guys are on Dodgers dugout live. And I think it's a disservice to you to not let you know that this is something that is going to impact the game because just look at game. One of the 2011 world series. You had the Texas Rangers, the team that played yesterday and the St. Louis Cardinals. It's 16.5 million viewers that tune into that game. If you go back nine years before that game, one of the giants first angel series, 19.26 million viewers. You're talking about a sport in baseball that at one point had 40, 50, 60 million viewers for world series games. That and boxing were the two biggest sports in this country. That hasn't been the case. And I think there's a couple reasons why I think one, just look at this season. With the expanded postseason going from 10 teams to 12 teams, what are we seeing? We're seeing more parity. You're seeing a sport that does not reward the best teams in the regular season. I know some of you out there are yelling at your screen that this is an excuse for the Dodgers. It is not that. I'm looking at this as if I'm a network president and I've got my advertisers breathing down my throat because I'm not delivering the numbers that I promised because all of these negotiations and these TV contracts that are in the billions, they are contracts that are made expecting certain numbers in the World Series has not delivered. And I think that you look at the Braves, the Dodgers, the Orioles, three 100 win teams, right? They get eliminated in the first round. That's not good for the sport. Because the better teams in the regular season typically have the bigger stars, right? Corey Seager was the biggest star in this series, but let's be honest. If you're going to make a list of the least intriguing stars as far as their personalities go, Corey Seager might be the top of that list, right? He does not move the needle, right? Dodgers fans tuned in, but the average casual fan. Now, we're seam heads. You and I, we are seam heads. We're baseball junkies. I watched every minute of this series. I enjoyed it, but... The World Series is about getting the casual fan, right? It's about getting the casual viewer. That's how you get big numbers. So I think the big issue that Major League Baseball has is this new playoff format, it deters the bigger markets. It's a disadvantage for teams that are having success in the the regular season, and it's not paying off in the postseason. So every year that goes by and you don't have the Yankees and the Dodgers and the marquee names, you're going to see the ratings suffer. Look, imagine if you tuned in to WrestleMania right? 
and you didn't see The Rock versus Steve Austin in WrestleMania 17. You didn't see The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels in WrestleMania 26. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels in WrestleMania 12. Imagine instead of that for the main event for WrestleMania, you had guys like X-Pac versus Al Snow or Mark Henry versus Billy Gunn or Rikishi versus Goldust. Some of these mid-tier wrestlers in the main event. You can't have the mid-tier wrestlers in the main event. You need the big names and the big stars. And that's why I think that this team, as far as Major League Baseball and the teams that are vying for these championships, you need to find a way to reward these teams in the regular season. Because if this happens for a third straight year, and mind you, this is a year where you had two teams that were wild card teams, right? two teams that were not big market franchises. If this happens for a third straight year, last year, they kind of got lucky with the Phillies. You had the Astros. The ratings were pretty decent, but this is a big risk for major league baseball. And yeah, in broadcasting, it's known as the make goods and make goods is when you don't reach your advertising numbers, as far as viewership goes and the Nielsen ratings and things like that, you end up having to show commercials for free until the advertiser is made whole. So it's definitely a risk. And I think it's something that I'm concerned about. And I think that this game, Major League Baseball, how we'll tie this with the Dodgers is the sport of baseball needs Shohei Otani on the Dodgers and the Dodgers to make a deep postseason run more than ever. Next year, we need to see Dodgers versus a big team. We need to see the Yankees. We need to see maybe an Astros Dodgers World Series because the reality is you got the NFL. You got college football, you got the NBA, and then you got a big drop-off in the Major League Baseball as far as the national relevancy. This doesn't apply to you or me because we're seam heads and we love this stuff regardless, but it's definitely something to think about. Now, next thing I wanted to get into real quick, I don't know if you guys saw this. Actually, let me read some comments here, and then we'll get into that next topic here. We got some over here, my man. Jordan hooked us up with these. Brian Gomez says D-Max only fans had more views than the World Series. Bruh. <laughs> you really got me on that one. But yeah, I mean, it was close. I mean, I wouldn't say more. it was close. I wouldn't say more. I mean, we got to look at the numbers there. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know what to say now, man. Rarely am I speechless, Brian. I think I am. We got Rod Wilson. What we learned from the Rangers, hire a new manager. We got Tim Rogers. Iavali did have a qualifying offer attached. Yeah, and that definitely is a factor. There's no doubt about that. You don't want to lose draft picks and that sort of conversation is relevant for sure. But the reality though, I think for me is they they always want to go one year, right? And you really want to see them go two years. And sometimes the difference between two years versus one year, it opens yourself up to a whole nother market of pitchers and you get more options instead of saying, okay, we're going to go with the reclamation project. We're going to try to fix a Noah Syndergaard, and we're going to try to see if we can get his velocity back. But instead, Thor is going to be a thud, and Syndergaard has pitched in Cleveland. He was last spotted at some point. I'm not so sure where he is right now. So I just think that you got to give the Rangers credit because they were making top-tier and mid-tier signings. They were making free agency moves and trades. And, yeah, the cautionary tale really is the San Diego Padres, right? The cautionary tale is the other side of the spectrum where the San Diego Padres, or should I say the Padres, were having to take a loan out. And now this came from Evan Drellich of The Athletic. 
who wrote a piece that said the Padres recently took out $50 million in loans to help cover payroll. So I didn't know this. Maybe Frank McCord bought the Padres and I wasn't aware of that or something like that. But what makes it very interesting is this came, even though they sold more tickets this season than all but one major league baseball team, that being the Los Angeles Dodgers. So at the end, honestly, a lot of that probably had to do with the Dodgers because we've been basically helping them out for years with Dodger stadium South. But you look at this team, they started the season with a payroll of 250 million. Don't worry. I'm going to tie this into the Dodgers. I'm going to tie this into the Dodgers for sure. But the Padres, they started the season with a payroll of 250 million. That was the third highest in major league baseball. And you look at 3.3 million tickets sold. Now they did have an issue. Yeah. And so this says, but in September, the Padres had a third party lender willing to loan the club 100 million. The team asked MLB for permission to receive close to the full 100 million. According to people briefed on the team's finances, MLB gave the team permission to draw roughly 50 million dollars. So one thing you have to know about billionaires before we kind of really dive into this one is that billionaires become billionaires by spending other people's money. So there definitely is something to that for sure. But I think that is just bad news for baseball. That's bad news for the smaller market teams. That's going to be the cautionary tale because the Padres were the team that was spending like a big market team. They were using their farm system to go out and get guys like a Juan Soto, like a Josh Hader, players like that. But it really backfired because they were one of the most disappointing teams in baseball history. They went to Cancun very early this year, did not even make the postseason. Now, it's very interesting because the deal did come around the same time where their TV deal fell through with Bally's. And of course, MLB took over their regional sports network in May. Now, how big of a factor was that? Well, just kind of want to debunk this myth a little bit. Major League Baseball, they promised any team whose TV broadcasts were taken over by the league, that they would still receive at least 80% of their expected TV payments. The league backstopped the payments. So basically, it wasn't a huge, significant impact. So if you guys remember, we talked about on this show that they did have a cash flow problem. And the big question now is, what do the Padres do with Juan Soto? Because Juan Soto has one more year left on his deal. And there's going to be a lot of suitors out there. If they make him available, I think the Yankees make a ton of sense. I think the Cubs make a ton of sense, but how does this impact the Dodgers? I don't think the Dodgers are going to be in the mix for Juan Soto. Absolutely not. I don't think they're going to want to part ways with the prospect capital to get him when they need to address starting pitching, right? That to me is the goal. You got to get starting pitching. I don't think right now they have the ability to go out there and add a Juan Soto, especially when your offense was as good as it was in the regular season. They're not going to go out there and spend those prospects on a Soto. Plus you'll wonder if the Padres would even be willing to do a deal with the Dodgers, but how will this impact the Dodgers? Well, let's say he goes to Chicago, right? Let's say the Cubs trade for him. Well, what do the Cubs do with Cody Bellinger? Cody Bellinger is someone who could get $200 million. Cody Bellinger could end up with the San Diego Padres. Cody Bellinger could end up with the San Francisco Giants. You really want to face Cody Bellinger, a resurgent Cody Bellinger who has turned his career around, looking much better at the plate, hitting for more contact, sacrificing some of that power, putting the ball in play. I would not want to sign Belly for $200 million. 
but I also would not want to face him 13 times a year, whether that be in the San Francisco Giants uniform or in a San Diego Padres uniform. So this is definitely very relevant to the Dodgers because you could also see him go to the New York Yankees who make a ton of sense. The Yankees have the prospects to get a deal done for Juan Soto. Juan Soto could theoretically consider signing with them long-term, right? Even though they just gave Aaron judge a big bag and the Yankees could be a team that the Dodgers could face in the world series. So definitely pay close attention, pay close attention to what the Padres do with Juan Soto, because I know a lot of you guys wanted Soto badly, right? We heard you in the left field pavilion yelling, future Dodger do, 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 do. When it was the all-star game a few years ago, Juan Soto is a difference maker, especially in the postseason. I like to stay in San Diego. I hope he stays there with the poor Dre's with the poor Braves. I mean, I think that, uh, that definitely would be better and more beneficial for the Dodgers because I don't think that that Padres team is going to do very much. Now, would you guys want to see Cody Bellinger on the giants? Would you want to see him on the, on the, uh, San Diego Padres? Me personally, I wouldn't, I just had to live through seeing Corey Seager win another world series. I felt like my wife left me and just got into a happy marriage and is having a successful life after me. And that was definitely not something I want to live through again. I want to see the same thing with Cody Bellinger. So just some fruit for thought on that one, but let's go down below in the comment section. Then we're going to dive into this roster crunch. We had Diane Schroeder down below. Smash that like button for DMAC. What up, Diane Schroeder? Nando, DMAC got a nice fade on the cap. I've seen on lots of Rams. Okay, what up, Nando? BC, yeah, a poverty franchise in the World Series. Yeah, we used to joke that the San Diego Padres were a poverty franchise. Now they really are. Now that thing is going up for foreclosure, it feels like. But look, I don't think that uh, it's going to be as big of a deal as people are saying right now. But I think the bigger issue here is what does this mean for smaller market teams moving forward? Does that mean that the Dodgers will get back to getting players that they might lose to a franchise like the San Diego Padres? I think that's something to consider as well. We got Nando 390. Andrew Friedman didn't think Seager was worth it. Fire Friedman. That's pretty bold. That is pretty bold. Look, I mean, you did, you didn't have to be... I mean, Helen Keller could have seen how good Corey Seager was, right? Helen Keller could have seen what... Corey Seager was capable of in the postseason. I don't think it was that. I just think that they probably said to themselves, we have other free agents that we want to spend on. And that's just not what this organization did at the time. Makes you wonder if the Dodgers will change their approach when it comes to retaining some of their stars. Will in a couple of years, you see them try to keep Will Smith, keep a Walker Bueller, because at some point it kind of makes it a hollow feel right. You're not falling in love with the team on the same level as you do when you're seeing these guys come up as rookies, like we did with Jock Peterson and Bellinger and Seager and how much we love that team. Think of the connection that you had to that 2017 team, that 2016 team, 2015 team versus the team from last year, which definitely feels a little more like a lot of hired guns there versus some of your homegrown talent. Now, of course, on the same token, you still had nine rookies making their debut. You had 16 rookies making their contributions last year. So there was, was still a ton of rookies, but it remains to be seen. Will they keep those iconic ones? Because yeah, Adrian Beltre, Corey Seager, those are the two Dodgers that definitely got away. It feels like there's no doubt about that, but uh, why would anyone besides the networks care about ratings? I mean, because it impacts all of major league baseball. It truly does. And I think for me, 
it impacts the format more so than anything. Yeah, I think the ratings are largely irrelevant and market size is usually going to determine that. And there's no doubting that. But I'm telling you, if you get two wild cards in small markets that make the World Series for the next four or five years, baseball is going to change its format. And if baseball changes its format, it could impact the Dodgers because don't kid yourself. They're kicking themselves. They only got three games out of L.A. with the biggest stars in the biggest market. Don't kid yourself. They're kicking themselves that the New York Yankees weren't a part of the postseason. The reality is it trickles down. Bad ratings are bad for the sport, and they're bad for your team. There is no denying that, and you should care, to be frank. But we got uh, World Series numbers would have been off the charts. It was the Dodgers and the Astros. Oh, read that one. But, uh, yeah. By the way, do you guys see? So, you guys see Michigan. Michigan is embroiled in this sign-stealing scandal. You know what they're nicknaming Michigan these days? They're calling them the Ann Arbor Astros. So, I love that one. Shout out to uh, to them. But, uh down below, I watch because I'm a baseball fan. We got key booing Manfred. That's from Nando 390. Orlando, the blackouts are the problem. Nobody cares. You need to hook people during the regular season. People aren't going to start watching during the postseason randomly. Yeah, that's definitely you're in the height of the football season. You got the NBA starting, right? You have a lot of entertainment options. And if your team, what I found in Major League Baseball is that when your team is involved, everyone says they're not watching another game. Everyone says I'm tuning out. That's not the case for football. Your football team loses. You still watch the playoffs. You still watch the Super Bowl. The NBA is the same thing. You still watch the NBA finals. You still watch the playoffs. So that really is the issue. But um, we got Dodgers soon will be on PBS. Craig Osterberg. No, they will not. In fact, that is one of the big saving graces, that $8.25 billion TV contract that they have with Spectrum. But the uh, DeGrom versus Kershaw. <laughs> Kershaw. Kershaw and Scherzer. Okay, we got uh, Destination Booger versus... Okay, that, this is going off the rails here in the comments. So now let's dive into the roster crunch and where the Dodgers stand and where they're at right now. Because if you look at this Dodgers team, if you look at the start of free agency, it's an exciting time to be a baseball fan. This is really what it's all about. We talked about that at the top of the show today, that really the Dodgers season next year is going to be determined in the next two months. Let's just be honest about that. If they don't go big, if they don't get their guys, we could have the same result next year. But just to get you caught up, the Dodgers, they have 12 free agents. Five of those 12 didn't start the season on the Dodgers roster. Those five include the ones that came via the trade. You got Kike Hernandez. You got Rosario. You got, of course, Brazier, Marisnik, and Juan. They signed after getting outrighted by their own team. So there's those. And you look at the roster right now. They have 39 players on their 40-man roster. That includes six players with club options. So real quickly, we've talked about this on the show, but just to get you caught up, if you look at the club options that the Dodgers have to decide on by November 6th. So these players will know their fate by November 6th. That's next Monday. You got Max Muncy, $14 million club option. That's an absolute lock. That's a slam dunk. Even if you don't want to see Max Muncy at third base, even if you don't think that they need him on this team, they're going to pick him up and possibly trade him. That's an option that they can have as well. If you don't sign Shohei Otani, he's a contingency plan to play DH. You can put him at the DH spot. Also, depending on how that second base position shakes out, you can see him at second. Me personally, I don't want to see him at second base. I think with the restricted shift, I question his lateral abilities to 
not be a liability there in the same way that he is at third base. I mean, you saw in 2021 him boots and balls that cost the Dodgers game. So I would not be shocked to see Max Muncy included in a trade. That's a possibility, but they are 100% going to pick up that $14 million club option. And then the second one that I would say is a coin flip is Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly, $9.5 million, got a $1 million buyout. And you're probably saying to yourself, wait a minute, this is a guy with a 4.97 ERA with the White Sox. This is a guy that has his mail sent to the IL because he practically lives there, right? But when he's on the mound, he's incredibly effective and he's really pitching his best right now at this stage of his career. You're really getting peak Joe Kelly towards the end of his career. And with the Dodgers, he was outstanding at a 1.74 ERA and 10 and a third innings of work. If you look at his strikeout rate, he had a 35.7 strikeout rate. That was ninth in Major League Baseball for relievers that had a minimum of 30 innings pitch. If you look at his expected FIP, it was 259. That was fourth. If you look at his Sierra, that was 279. That was 10th. These are the numbers that the organization is looking at. They're not looking at ERA. I got news for you. Most teams aren't looking at ERA. Minor league systems, they don't even post ERA on the scoreboards anymore. ERA is like VCRs, man. They're like Blackberries. They're gone. I mean, ERA is definitely starting to fade from the sport. That's a traditional counting stat, right? So Joe Kelly at $9.5 million, it's a one-year contract. Like I always say, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. You have the other benefits, the fact that you have a Mariachi Joe mural. He's beloved by the fans. Go ask Noel on our Instagram. He gets so many likes. I mean, he's very popular with the Dodgers fans out there. He's really an iconic Dodger with what he did to the Astros in 2020, right, with the Joe Kelly pouty face. And look, the reality is he's someone that can strike out hitters, and he's dangerous in the postseason. So I would not be surprised if this team truly is going to go all in, that they will consider that $9.5 million option. And if they don't, you could see what he does in free agency and possibly circle back and get him on a cheaper deal. But then if you do that, you run the risk of him going to another team. So would not be shocked if they keep Joe Kelly for nine and a half million. Let me know down below though. Would you want to see Joe Kelly back in Dodger blue me? If you can stay healthy, which is the biggest if of all time, capital I capital F no doubt about that. But I think with a bullpen that has depth to it, you can live with a couple IL stints with Joe Kelly, as long as he can be ready to go for the postseason and be a big weapon because his stuff is nasty. This is the nastiest, best version of Joe Kelly as far as velocity, as far as strikeouts, as far as missing bats. So I definitely would be in on Joe Kelly. And then there's Lance Lynn. Like I said, we told you earlier that his wife roasted him on her Instagram story. And Lynn, he's interesting because it's an $18 million club option. Will they bring him back? Wait, oh, 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 we got uh, Lance Lynn just gave up another home run. So, I mean, that's something you got to factor in as well because, yeah, he did, he pitched 183 and two thirds innings last year, but was a negative war player at negative 0.8, had a 573 ERA. Yes, he can eat innings. There's no doubt about that. And yes, he can provide value as far as he posts he stays healthy you have to factor in injuries guys get injured it happens you've seen it more than any franchise you know that right it's been a season of squid game for the dodgers starting rotation last couple years right we understand that so having that type of depth it makes it intriguing me personally and the words of randy jackson that's a no for me dog okay i just don't want lance lynn on this dodgers team just because yeah it might not be 44 home runs was a good chance it'll be 30 or 32, right? The stuff is diminished. The strikeout rate was down to 17% with the Dodgers when it was up with the White Sox. So 
I think that's a pass for me. I'd rather see some of these rookies get an opportunity, let Pepio and Sheehan and some of these other guys get some run or trade them for established starters or get some other mid-tier guys. Look, Hunjin Ryu, Kenta Maeda, those guys are available. They're not going to be astronomical prices. So I would look elsewhere. I know that our friend JP Hornstra on this show, he said that, and I was I told him to duck after he said that because people are going to throw stuff at him for suggesting to pick up Lance Lynn's club option. But I do think that, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they do because it won't be a popular tweet, I'll tell you that much. We got Daniel Hudson next at six and a half million. Now, Hudson's very interesting because one, his injuries have not been arm related. It's been the knee injuries. And back when he got injured in 2022, when he tore his ACL in June against the Atlanta Braves, he was on his way to having his best season as a pro. That's how good Daniel Hudson was that year. And even this year, he's someone that was going to be the closer. And Evan Phillips was going to be the high leverage fireman reliever. And you're going to have Daniel Hudson be your closer. It's a guy who got the final out of a World Series back in 2019. Also, I want to point out about Daniel Hudson. It's a $6.5 million club option. That's not a big chunk of change if you think he has the chance to be effective. And like I said, it's not his arm. He made it back from a knee injury last year, only to suffer another knee injury, sprained his MCL after making it back just for a couple appearances. And I want to point this out. This guy's got the perseverance level of a lion. This guy's got the heart of a champion because he's pitched 14 years in major league baseball. 10 of those years have come after his second Tommy John surgery. There's a great book by Jeff Passan where he covers this whole journey and all the downs. Now I do think it's very interesting that when he did hurt his MCL and he gutted that save out and he was able to get that final out when the Dodgers won that game, when he hurt his knee, him and the bullpen coach, Josh Bard, they actually hung out in the bullpen that night and they toasted with some bourbon. So make of that what you will. That does sound like a guy who is considering retirement after all these years. He turns 37 in March, but I would not be mad to see Huddy back. I really wouldn't. I think it just depends on the trust level you have that he can find a way to stay healthy. And then there's Blake Trinan. He's another one where based on his performance, if he was going to get back on the mound, that option was going to be between one and seven million. If it's cheap, Blake Trinan, I mean, if you're patient enough with him and you have the kind of depth, I wouldn't be mad at that. So you look at Alex Reyes, he got another injury. He never pitched for the Dodgers. He hasn't pitched since 2021. So I don't think they're going to consider picking that one up. But I think Max Muncy's the lock. Joe Kelly's the coin flip. Lance Lynn is the one that I guess I wouldn't be shocked based on what JP Hornster said on this show about him. But I think that they'd be wise to probably move on and try to address that position with some other guys out there via the trade market or free agency. So I think that's good. Probably I would probably say 15 to 20% on that one. Blake Trinan might be the guy that's just like, okay, he's around. He's not going to hurt us. I mean, we'll see if he can try to pitch because if he's healthy, he could be filthy. Alex Reyes is the no. So Muncie, the lock Kelly, the coin flip Lance Lynn, 15% Blake Trinan. You might just have him as the courtesy spot, but he does take up a roster spot. So that's something as well. Now, if you look at this roster crunch, we talked about it right now. Recently, Wander Suero and Tyler Sear, they were outrighted. So they're off the 40-man roster. So you look at those club options. If you look at the spots that are open, they're going to have to decide on certain guys, right? They're going to have to 
see what they're going to do as far as some of these rookies, who they're going to re-sign. I mean, you look at Ryan Brazier. Ryan Brazier is very interesting to me because we know the success that he had with the Dodgers. He was awful with the Red Sox this year. But when he came to L.A., they taught him that cutter. He threw it against lefties. He was effective. This Dodgers bullpen went from an absolute dumpster fire worse in the league to the best in baseball when Ryan Brazier joined. He For L.A., he had a .70 ERA in 30 and two-thirds innings of work after having a 729 ERA with 21 innings. Now, the thing is, he's 35, he's going to be 36. I'm not so sure. The, the volatility of a reliever is something that I question. You just never want to have these guys under contract for too long, and I almost think he priced himself out of being a Dodger. And if he were not to be back, I'm not so sure I would lose that much sleep if it was a good contract. I mean, you saw what Chris Martin got, $13.5 million for two years last year with the Red Sox after pitching great after being traded to the Dodgers. That's something I could consider. But I think you might want to consider going out there and getting one of these bigger names. Josh Hader is available. If you had a power lefty, you combine him with an Evan Phillips, a Bruzdar Gratterall. Some of these guys in this Dodgers bullpen that have already established themselves as elite frontline big time relievers. Josh Hader is a name that makes sense. I mean, you got Aaron Hicks out there who throws gas. He makes sense. So I would consider going out there and signing an impact bullpen piece. This Dodgers team, they don't like to do that because the volatility of the relievers, right? You mean you sign Blake Trine, you sign Joe Kelly, three years, 25 million, but safer. I mean, Kelly Jans was 80 million. That was the previous regime, right? So, really save for kind of a very select few. You're not going to see these big deals for these relievers. So it'll be very interesting to see if they do consider that. And then you got Shelby Miller, who is great. I can see them bringing back Shelby Miller. He's another name that is a free agent that could be back. Daniel Hudson. We talked about him, Joe Kelly. We talked about him. And then you got some of the guys for the rule five draft. So the rule five draft, they have to put certain guys on that 40 man roster in order to protect them. And I think the two guys that you're going to see are Landon Knack and Nick Frasso. So now you're really close to 40 players on that 40 man roster, right? And then you still have some other free agents. They might consider bringing back Kike Hernandez, Jason Hayward, Clayton Kershaw. Haven't talked about him at all. Andrew Friedman said that the ball is in his court, that he's going to give them time and that Clayton Kershaw probably is not going to receive a qualifying offer. So you're going to see some very tough calls in arbitration. That's what I think is going to be the case. I think that Ryan Yarbrough, Victor Gonzalez, those are two guys, maybe even Yancey Almonte, who had a really good year in 2022, kind of fell off last year. Do they make a tough call and non-tender players like that? So I think that those are non-tender candidates that could be off the roster. Victor Gonzalez, Ryan Yarbrough is a guy that maybe they pick up and use in a trade somewhere. But yeah, if you look at this bullpen, there's a lot of talent. And then the trade guys, I think that's the big one is the, is the guys that are on the 40 man roster that they could include via the trade. I think that's the number one way they're going to clear up spots on the roster because look, you still got Shohei Otani. They need a spot for, right? And there's so many pieces that you need to add. And you got guys like Ryan Pepio, Gavin Stone, Kyle Hurt, Emmett Sheehan. Those guys could be included in a trade. You got Miguel Vargas and you got Michael Bush who, do you see him at second base? Probably not. Do you see him in the outfield? Probably not. I think they're might going to go out there and probably get an outfielder because that's an area where you could produce. 
few days ago, the LA Times reported that you're probably going to see Mookie Betts at second base. And Mookie Betts at second base, a guy that can hit 39 home runs, provides more value as a second baseman because it's impossible to find second basemen that can hit 39 home runs, right? But you can find outfielders, right fielders. And if they go out and get a Luis Robert and go crazy, I mean, you can go out there and get outfielders that can provide slug in power. So I'm actually okay with having Mookie at second best base. Also, Gavin Lux at second base, if they don't want to thrust him into that shortstop position and have Miguel Rojas or Chris Taylor or Mookie Betts at shortstop. So they do have some optionality that's going to allow them to explore different options based on which free agents are available. The third base position, Nolan Arenado, if he becomes available, they're going to inquire. Matt Chapman, if they think that they can get a deal done with him, they strike out on Shohei Otani. That could be an option. So the good thing to know right now as far as the free agents that are available is that they have guys that can play multiple positions that open up their options. They don't have guys that are stuck at certain positions that really make preclude them from going after other guys. So yeah, if I'm Ryan Pepio, Gavin Stone, Hurt, Emmett Sheen, if I'm any of those guys, Michael Bush, Miguel Vargas, I'm renting. I'm not buying. Okay, don't put a down payment on a house because you could be shipped off to another team. The number one trade, the number one trade for a starting pitcher, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, and we'll close the show out with this. The number one trade to me, as far as starting pitching, I said it three years ago. I said it two years ago. I said it last year. I've been trying to manifest Corbin Burns to the Dodgers for a long, long time. You're going to hear that name from a lot of people. Don't forget where you heard it first. Corbin Burns is the guy. For the trade market, he is the guy. Okay? Dylan Cease, really good, has a couple years of team control. The prospect capital is going to be high for him. The price is going to be higher on Cease than it is for Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns has one year of team control. He's a surefire ace-level pitcher from Cali. I think he'd be a great fit. Also, I think that he's a candidate to trade for and sign just like they did with Mookie Betts. And if you look at that Brewers team out there, you got Craig Council taking interviews with other teams, right? You got Brandon Woodruff, who's going to be out next season. That is what that mid-market team does. They trade their stars to try to get prospects so they can create that pipeline. They can't afford to keep Corbin Burns in Milwaukee, right? Let him go down the slide one more time and then send him to LA. I'd be absolutely fine to trade a Miguel Vargas, a Michael Bush, a Emmett Sheehan, a Gavin Stone. One of those four players, two of those guys for a Corbin Burns, do it. Do it now. Don't wait till the trade deadline when the prices become high. Right now, like I always say, get the Halloween candy after Halloween in early November. It's when it's a little bit of at a discounted rate. The Dodgers, it was reported yesterday by Bob Nightingale, he wrote, the top pitchers expected to be available on the trade market this season, according to GMs, are Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers, Tyler Glasnow of the Tampa Bay Rays, and Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Guardians. And the Dodgers are expected to pursue Corbin Burns if he becomes available. So to me, that's the guy you trade for Corbin Burns, and then you go out there and try to sign one of these other free agents. But we're going to dive into this the entire offseason, the free agents, the roster, just had to unpack some of those World Series thoughts and thoughts on Corey Sear. But now it's been a couple minutes here diving into these comments, and then we'll let you guys enjoy the rest of your Thursday afternoon. We got Jim. Seager is an aggressive hitter, not taking pitches to walk. Hey, man, love you. Love someone. You know, find someone that loves you like Corey Sear loves first pitches, right? I mean, he's going to swing. It's a lock. But the thing is, when you have a hit tool like that, you can afford to do that. 
what Corey Seager has at the plate as far as his hit tool, you could spend 10 million years in a batting cage. You won't learn. What he has, you can't learn. It can't be taught. That hit tool is otherworldly, man. It's a joy to watch him swing the bat. We got shorter seasons. That's a conversation we could have. 162 is pretty arbitrary, if you ask me. Uh, we got Harbaugh, Belichick, both cheaters. Okay, open a can of worms there with that Michigan thing. We got the Michael Creel. We should sign Tyler Malley to a multi-year deal. Yeah, we're going to spend a whole episode on some of those second or third tier guys because look at Nathan Ivaldi and the impact he had on this World Series run. Jacob DeGrom was a big signing. He was in street clothes. He was wearing a hooded sweater, hooded sweatshirt, but no uniform underneath it for months now, right? So I think that uh, that's a really good point you bring up there, Michael Creel, for sure. Yes to Joe Kelly from Diane Shooter. Daniel, Dodgers fans, we don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't know what that even means. Dodgers fans are the most informed in the game, I think, and I think it's because of DodgersNation.com, if you ask me. But Nando390, they rolled the dice on Danny Duffy. They can't roll the dice on Joe Kelly. Okay, man, at least Danny Duffy. Danny Duffy is like the Loch Nest monster, man. He is like Santa Claus. I mean, I mean, he's not real. I mean, I don't even think that's the case, but uh, $5 super chat here. We're getting, we're getting fire eyes back too. yes on Kelly. Yeah. I got fire eyes episode lined up on him. I actually talked to fire eyes this season. This is the real deal. This is someone who before he was injured with the Rays, was one of the best relievers in the game. And I think that is definitely a chess move by Andrew Freeman for sure. GSP says decline is option. Nando three nights said he's eating pizza and innings. Okay. We got uh sign Lance Lynn, but for the concession stands. Okay. It's a finish him. Steve says Shelby Miller is a great piece for short, long relief and spot starts. He's a guy to bring back. I like how you think we got uh, BC Freeman wants to get mad bum, but doesn't want the fans to turn on him. BC. I disagree, man. Mad bum at this stage of career is pretty much a bum. D back. What about fire eyes? And yeah, we'll talk about him for sure. He's going to be back. Had that shoulder injury. There was a possibility of him coming back late next year. And he's still a wild card. Cause you don't know how he's going to respond to that, but he's definitely someone that they have big plans for. And you don't get a guy like that with multiple years of team control, unless you feel that way, but a couple more here. And then we'll head out of this one. We got Rod Wilson. They better pay fighting mariachi joe that's from rod wilson we got steve two guys that want to see back are joe kelly and kike yeah we talked about kike in a previous episode why i think he should be back i want to see him back two years 10 million samuel super chat we getting five okay we talked about that one juan says doug if we sign otani how much do you think the mitch Lottas will go up in price yeah like we talked about on the show it's probably you know it's funny because obviously i joked about that i have on multiple occasions but how much do the Dodgers stand to make? I mean, how many jerseys are they going to sell? How many sponsorship rights are they going to sell? I mean, are they going to give an ownership in the state, in the team? We're going to say Shohei owner, Tani. I have no idea, but yeah, I'm sure they will go up a little bit, but that's going to do it for this episode of Dodgers dugout live. If you haven't yet, let us know down below in the comment section, which Dodgers club options do you want to see them pick up? Which free agents do you want to see them pursue? Which current free agents do you want to see them bring back? We're going to do deep dives on all these topics all offseason long. Like I said, happy MLB offseason, free agency, the best time of the year. Get excited, Dodgers fans. Your team's success next year will be determined in the next two months. So you're going to want to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and hit that like button if you want to get Otani in Dodger Blue. But that's going to do it for this episode. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the channel. Remember, nothing brings together quite like Dodger baseball. And if you haven't yet, uh, wait, 
Another beer together quite like Dodger baseball. Until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.